a new generation of filmmakers reinvigorate the genre with a return to the classic radioactive villain from the past to celebrate its 30th anniversary. But will this film capture the same passion as its Showa predecessor, or will it fall flat in the annals of monster movie Ega? Find out what happened. This is Kaiju versus History, The Return of Godzilla. Welcome back to Kaiju vs. History. This is Barnacle blasting sea lice of a host, Miles, and joining me is a giant kaiju whose only weakness is liquid hot magma, Patrick. Patrick, how are you doing this week? It burns, it burns. Yeah, uh, you, you know, we're, we're fortunate that it was your turn to do the intro because I was just going to completely throw away whatever you had written and just say, Daddy's home. <laughs> welcome back come back <laughs> yeah yeah good news for you miles not only is godzilla returning here this is the sixth film in the fourth season of our podcast and we're all already over halfway done with this season of the 1980s not a um, lot of the 80s yeah, and not a lot of good ones, uh, I guess, is a way to put it delicately. Yeah. Uh, less than stellar, <laughs> yeah. what we would call middling films. Some some bad <laughs> films. Yeah, it it fails to ignite with a an average score of about five so far for the Oof. the decade. <laughs> you know, there there's so, there's so much cinema magic happening in the eighties. There there had to be at least one genre that kind of completely missed the mark. However, but yeah, that, we, we, we still have some more movies to go. We know? do have some more movies to go. And I mean, I think, you know, starting with this one, we, we also have some solid movies in in the genre to actually talk about. I don't think that five average is going to stick. I think we're going to boost that up a little bit. But I don't but think we, this is going to be the worst decade as far as our film going experience it, is for it, the podcast. Probably won't. I mean, we have two landmark kaiju movies happening this this decade. One we're going to talk about right now, and this is an interesting one to talk about. I'm. I think this one, and 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 me too. Uh, this one gets overlooked a lot, and it's it is. often, especially in the states, the reason for that is because all we knew for the longest time until I think the Blu-ray release was Godzilla 1985. Yeah, yeah. I don't think the original was officially released until like the last 10 years or so or, you know, until DVDs came to be. And of course, we are talking this week about 1984's kaiju film, The Return of Godzilla, directed by Koji Hashimoto. Yeah, we had just been born, Miles, when this movie came out. So we've got. Well, and I, I, I think because of that, they knew they knew the hosts of Kaiju versus History had graced the world with our presence and they <laughs> so had they just had to bring Godzilla back. It's time for Godzilla to return. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there and, are two white children who will one day have nothing <laughs> better to do but talk about these movies every week. <laughs> and they've suffered through the 70s, so they deserve some some good kaiju films coming back in the Heisei era. We we talked a good deal about how before Marvel and the 
interconnected MCU. The Tojo Ka- Toho Kaiju films had their own interconnected universe, its own cinematic universe. And now with this film, we have what basically DC has done a, a ton of times, which is the soft reboot or, you know, like with Superman Returns, a requel, it's also known as that is, in yeah. fact, both. A, a sequel to the original 1954 Gojira, but also a reboot of the series. So it's yeah, this- kind of skipping over m- most of the Showa era, but Godzilla 1984 has happened in this film. This, <laughs> 19- this certainly feels kind of like, like Halloween 2018, maybe, where yeah. it's supposed to take place, you know, X years and it's just following the first film. And, and this is, this isn't, we'll, we'll get into it, but I, I remember watching about getting about i want to say like 20 minutes into it until they finally said you know this had happened 30 years ago and because i was trying to figure out is this just godzilla returning because he just he just comes back in in this one and the last time we saw godzilla in Mecha godzilla he had you know kind of peaced out and gone off to sea not to be seen and so at the beginning of the movie, I was like, well, I mean, yes, this is rebooting it, but this could feasibly be the same Godzilla until they flat out said that, that you know, it hadn't been seen in 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. I was about to say, unfortunately, I think the some dialogue that <laughs> supposedly um, maybe even was very last minute in the Godzilla 1985 mentions that this is the original Godzilla, you know, like, I guess, come back to life. <laughs> they, this, they mentioned that, in so that film, they never this found movie the body. Also, yeah, this movie also mentions that where, like, they just, they flat out just say, Godzilla's immortal. And yeah. so whatever we did, and they don't flat out say the oxygen destroyed or fail, but they flat out say, oh, this is just, Godzilla's back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Before we get started as well, a, a quick note on nomenclature. Technically, we are still in the Showa period of Japan when this film call comes out. And that oftentimes the, the films, uh, the kaiju films are demarcated by whoever is emperor of Japan at the time. The current emperor of Japan doesn't pass on until 1989. But since this film is in the same continuity as the rest of the Heisei era, it's lumped in with them. All also often called the verses series as yeah because to... after this every single i mean it's, it's very similar to the championship after a certain yeah. point because every single movie after this is godzilla versus yeah so and so something yeah and you know i mean they could have done godzilla versus japan for this one but they yeah they i mean didn't. well let's let's get right into it patrick and tell us what's in the title I mean, literally, the film is dry. <laughs> is just Gojira in Japan. There's not in, in the original Japanese title, so I, I just like that. Oh, was it I, not, was it not even Shin Gojira? No, I don't believe so. I think okay. they just did Gojira once more, which I, I hate when they do because then you have you have to add on a year when you're when yeah. you're talking about multiple Godzilla films. You know, just like well, and this this but, does make the, it feel like more of a flat out reboot type of situation because that's what, what we do is is we just call it you know i mean we're doing it again I mean, we you mentioned halloween, halloween. yeah yeah we're doing <laughs> Which it halloween are you talking about <laughs> actually uh, this might have a subtitle but like yeah this the, this this does happen the official name for the american release which we are going to talk about is godzilla 1985 and that is 
the number officially in the the title, which is which is pretty funny. Originally, they were going to go with Godzilla is alive for the U.S. Re- release. It is also known in West Germany. I guess it's still <laughs> West Germany still exists at this point. Yeah, Godzilla: The uh, Return yeah. of the Monster is the the title, and that version is very similar to the American, and that is a heavily cut down version of of the film. The German version. In Mexico, it's just called The Return of Godzilla as well, as well as Godzilla Returns and a few other places. Uh, the Taiwan video title was Destruction of Japan. They, they got Japan in the title there. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of just The Return of Godzilla. I think it's a pretty great title. It's pretty cut and dry. It's it's it kind of serves that that anniversary reboot style. And I'm. I'm, I'm a fan of that. I mean, I would, I still, I mean, the Blu-ray that I have just calls it the return of Godzilla, which was from the, uh, Kraken releases. Yeah. And that, that's what the international title is now, which I, I prefer. Cause like I said, you can differentiate very easily from the original Gojira, the 1954 Gojira. And this is kind of what happens in the movie. <laughs> Talk about re- recapping this one. Godzilla's back. <laughs> yeah. And. Maybe with a little more fanfare when he first arrived, because like I said, uh, he did attack in the, I forget what, I don't know if the actual Gojira takes place in 1954. I forget if they, they push it forward a year or so in like continuity sake, but it's been about, it's been about 30 years since the original Gojira attack. And I think in this continuity, they did destroy that Gojira with the Oxygen Destroyer because that will be part of the later Heisei series as well. And so Japan has been living good and in real life and in the, the series has turned into an economic juggernaut and an unstoppable, you know, world power at this stage. I think it's on the decline here, but. Japan's been doing very, very well in, in the intervening years. And I guess they were kind of preparing for the eventuality miles that Godzilla's return because they have a, <laughs> a ship in this, this film that is ready to go. The Super X. Yeah. The, the Super <laughs> X. And yeah, they, they talk about, you know, eventualities I mean, and stuff. They don't have a, really a plan. <laughs> no, but like, they developed that if, over the course of the film. If I were a nation that had been attacked by a giant kaiju, whether or not another one popped up, I would have to, I would have some sort of plan at the ready or not plan, but like, oh, we ha- we have some sort of counterattack. So like mm-hmm. the, the Super X having been developed in secret does not bother me at all. In no. fact, I was like, well, this makes sense, because if well, this guy had trounced my town once before, I'm <laughs> fool me once. Shame on you. It's so different from the original Gojira, because in that one, really, Japan is at the mercy of Godzilla, is this vastly superior power. And this one, Japan is ready with a technological solution to take out Godzilla. I mean, they literally like knock him unconscious at one part in this film, which is very interesting. And eventually a a team of, you know, Reporters and a scientist and military personnel are able to utilize technology to lure Godzilla away from downtown Tokyo in the film. So I think all three films that kind of bear the responsibility of being a version of the Gojira story, both this 54's Gojira and even Hideki Anno's uh, Shin Godzilla, mm-hmm. I think they all they all 
they're all political films specifically. And this one's a very political film. And I feel like each one of them, t- I think, is in its own way talking about Japan's place in the world. And the first one, you have a country that had literally had one of the most horrific wartime strikes that has ever occurred on this planet. And in, in the time since then, because that movie's reacting to that, in the time since then, Japan has become a, a technological force in the world. They have recovered. They have moved on. They have been a very respected source of, of science technology. Since then, at the same time, they're, they are they're odd, stuck between a rock and a hard place. Right. The, at the same time, we have the Cold War happening. And this film, ta- like this film does talk about all of that. And I think it does a really good job of kind of not just breaking that down, but I, I mean, I think it does a good job commenting on, I think, the the state of affairs for the nation and and its place in the world, just like the 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 past and the future films do. I, I was struck by how well, especially the moments where the prime minister is having to, you know, having these two perceived superpowers tell him, oh, you have to use nuclear weapons. And he's like, mm, nah, nah, that's what got is into this mess. <laughs> yeah. Would you be so quick to do that if Godzilla had attacked Moscow and Washington, Washington DC? So some, some great commentary there on the cold war in general on, on, how yeah, scientists I, I, and, and, and political leaders can potentially save the world from World War Three. And I do uh, like how it does depict the Cold War as of, of Russia and America as two bickering children, essentially, which, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the, the history of the production of this film. This movie is what nine years after the the last Godzilla film and in, in terror yes. of Mechagodzilla, and you think that maybe that they were letting some space out because that movie did not do super well. It didn't ignite the the box office. Kind of went out with a whimper, even though that was a Shiro Honda's final Godzilla film and kind of a return to form of the the dark 1954 Gojira aesthetic <laughs> plot. I don't know. Yeah, I I mean I I. I like that movie. I think, I think time has been very kind to that movie, but yeah, it just didn't set the world on fire. Uh, this is the longest time gap uh, between Godzilla films until we would get to, I think, the gap between Final Wars and, and 2014's legendary Godzilla. But always, always them anniversary years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got it. Got to happen on a on a four year. But yeah, it's not for lack of trying. This wasn't a planned hiatus because there were several projects that were proposed, some that were written in and developed at various stages, you know, sketches of of new Godzilla films from, I think, 1977 onward. So mm-hmm. they they were trying to. They just they couldn't get it going. There was a planned color re-release of the 1954 Gojira project, kind of like we talked about Kozilla, but mm-hmm. I'm sure it would have been good. <laughs> you know, Ted Turner in the, the 80s and 90s was all about colorizing black and white films. That's true. There well, other well, projects, even there with varying degrees of success. <laughs> yeah. Other projects like Godzilla versus The Devil <laughs> was a planned project. There have been so many like proposed movies from this time period. I've got I've got the, the Lost Films of Toho Monster Movies book, and I'm like, I want to see these movies so badly. But eventually, legendary Gojira producer Tomiyuki Tanaka took over the, the, the planning for what would 
come after 1976's King Kong, a reimagining, a, a requeling of sorts in a project called the resurrection of Godzilla. And once again, you have the, the impetus for this being King Kong doing so well. So King Kong does very well in 1976. So Toho is like, well, maybe we can do a, a more, you know, adult version of Godzilla and, and bring him back in that case. Obviously, it would take like another eight years or so that, like I said, a few projects fell through and Toho kind of gave up at one point and sold the rights to an American company headed by Steve Miner, who <laughs> you might know uh, from the Friday the 13th series. And he began to self-finance an American version of Godzilla like a, a solely American version. So uh, more than a decade before 1998's Godzilla. Yeah, and what, we're going to have to do an episode, I think, on the proposed American Godzillas, because there are were several that will pop up between now and 98's. Yeah, I, I, I think... got this one confused. There's, there's a, there was another one that happened in the 90s that didn't go through. But yes. th- th- this one had a paleontologist and sculptor, Steve Zirkus, make up a more... I don't know if you call it realistic, but a more dinosaur like version of Godzilla, which it's like if Godzilla and a T-Rex had a, a baby. I'm, I'm here for it. I've, I've put the, the art in, in the notes. I think that the head is a bit too Tyrannosaurus Rexy, but the, mm-hmm. the, the melding of the, the bodies, I think could have been cool. They sadly wanted to use stop motion animation, and that's usually the death knell for these kind of projects because as we've said on the podcast, very time intensive, very expensive, can take years. And without a full studio backing, they weren't able to to raise the funds. This, I think this would have been kind of a, a white whale of a Godzilla film had it been made. I don't know if it would have disrupted other Japanese Godzilla films, but it had screenwriter Frank Drecker penning it, Miles, who yeah. wrote Monster Squad. <laughs> yeah, I'm... And, uh, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of of Deckers. I mean, Monster Squad's legit one of my favorite movies of all time. I, I think I think this probably would have not done very well in the U.S. just because of all the other crazy things that were well it and, would have been competing with. You know, and Miner will get his giant reptile fix in the future because he goes on to make Lake Placid. Yeah, and I so many of these. Especially, like I said, we're, we're having an episode of deep diving into these American ones that didn't happen because there there are. Some really neat ideas, some colossally bad ideas in some of these proposed remakes. But I mean, this one, I think plot wise sounded basically like King Kong plot wise, but with Godzilla, like they bring they they capture Godzilla and like bring him back (laughs) to to the United States. Well, and it's it's interesting that you mention the 76 King Kong, because this does kind of feel like it's doing something similar. And now this one is doing a sequel of sorts, but it still feels like, oh, we're, we're, we're hitting some of the same notes of 54's Godzilla in a, in a modern time. And there is, and, and we're not just, and this certainly feels different than most of the movies we've watched in this last like 10 year span, because outside of 76 King Kong, most of the movies that we've watched in this time period since then had little to no budget. And this movie got a budget. Yeah. I mean, it's still not really on par with, with some of these American productions, but this one, you can tell they, they threw a lot at. They, they did things above and beyond, I think, that they would do elsewhere in the Heisei 
series. And, and you, you can tell, um, Tommy Kataka was, was really at the forefront of trying to get the best product to the screen. He ori- originally offered the directorial chair to Ashiro Honda once again, but our favorite legendary Toho veteran was out of contract for over a decade and was less interested in taking that first director's chair and instead was making movies with his friend and colleague, Akira Kurosawa. And, and eventually, I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to hang out with my best bud, who's also one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. And we're going to make the movie we want to make. <laughs> yeah, he he wholeheartedly endorsed Koji Hashimoto, who's, who's kind of like a little Ashira Honda. You, you go look at pictures of him online. He's got the same yeah. bucket the hat. hat and everything. <laughs> uh, he, he worked as an assistant director under Honda during Latitude Zero, All Monsters Attack, a few of the later films. This sadly would be Hashimoto's last film as, as director. He went on to become a producer for Toho after this film. But yeah, he was quoted he as films saying... And- <laughs> Yeah, not not too many. He was quoted as saying, we wanted this film to answer questions of why we're making another Godzilla movie to connect it to the present day. And in a, in a world where Japan rejects war, we have our non-nuclear principles, no nuclear weapons. This is how we can enjoy this kind of, of peace. And that's what he wanted to show in this this film, Miles. And I, I think in that he was very, very successful. I think, I mean, technically, this movie works out very, very well. And in modernizing Godzilla, I think they do some really, some really great things. But I think the problem is the fact that he was kind of like a little Honda because there are, there's the, the things about this movie that really don't work are there are moments that make it feel like a Showa era film in the way it's made in, in ways that don't really highlight the films or, or even their, the filmmakers strengths. And the production strengths. And that makes for some odd moments in the movie. Several uh, of the of the times where Godzilla is just kind of, or the actor who's in the Godzilla suit is just kind of sitting there in the wade pool. And <laughs> you got this weird wide shot and it just kind of feels like nothing's really happening. And it's it's just frozen there for, for whatever reason. And that stuff kind of worked in the, the era where like, you can kind of get away with that. But like, you were also showing off some really great animatronics. And this is kind of segueing into talking about the technical thing. We've got an, the most emotive face that we've had on Godzilla so far. We've got some, yep. you know, some blinking, some eye movements, some some snarls and facial expressions. I mean, yeah. there's a lot to be proud of in terms of what they were doing. But they also do these pull away shots of a pretty solid look, looking suit. But when you're going for that realism, it can kind of make a total disconnect, if that makes any sense. Let's talk about our, our technical aspects, including pseudimation. Of course, this is Kempachiro Satsuma in, in the suits as he would be for the entirety. He would not <laughs> relinquish the Godzilla suit in the entirety of the, the Heisei era. He would, would go on to do Godzilla in the entire era. I don't think he was as comfortable in the suit this time around technically the the suit that he wore for this film was heavier than the original <laughs> Godzilla Jeez. suit the Gojira suit from 1954 it's like over 200 pounds so you can kind of tell in the performance a little bit mm-hmm. uh, special special effects in this film were were headed by uh, Teruyoshi Nakano who was a super eye mainstay been working in the field for about 30 years including 
you know, the 1970 Godzilla films, the championship series. He worked on the submersion of Japan in 1973. And he said, this is Griffin favorite. Yeah. He he said, this is one of his two favorite films that he worked on. And well, towards the end of his career, because he would retire a few years later in 1987 after doing the princess from the moon, another Toho film. And yeah, he, he looked back on the, the 30th anniversary, I guess, what, 2014? <laughs> and, and said also of, of the nuclear theme that it, it was, you know, to, to kind of mimic the theme of the original film. Japan has now learned three times what a nuclear disaster is. But at that time, Japan had two already. And the problem was Japanese society was gradually forgetting about these disasters. Therefore, were forgetting how painful it had been, and everyone in Japan knew how scary nuclear weapons were when the original movie was made, but it wasn't like that in the 1980s. So, indeed, that's why they went back. And this, that, that quote is right after Fukushima. So, one of the mm. reasons why Shen Godzilla really hit home as well. They had a, a very, something to respond to. Yeah. Yeah. Very, you know, recent nuclear disaster seared in, in their memories. This film, though, there, you know, we'll talk about it in the American version of the film, is not too, too long after Three Mile Island. So, like, you know, that's an American nuclear disaster, but kind of something similar. So I think it is in the zeitgeist still in the, the 1980s. So probably a good time for them to reject the kind of kitty <laughs> nature of the Godzilla story and go back to right a, a more message of destruction <laughs> world destruction that god gojira originally you know represented what do you think about the main suit here miles our so, 1984 gojira. He, I, he's I, right I, behind I, me on our, our zoom call by the way i'm uh i'm showing off an image of him <laughs> so I, I i will say i don't dislike the suit i think you know it's still you know an incredible achievement in terms of what they were wanting to do and show off the new technology. Sometimes that new technology needs just a little more time tinkering. I, I appreciate the fact that they have animatronics in Godzilla's head and, you know, he's doing eye movements, even though it doesn't always look phenomenal. I know that you, you, you kind of have a feeling that it's not as emotive or expressive that, as you'd like. So they have, they have a couple of, of, bits that we'll we'll talk about here but yeah they they hadn't nailed it for this first film because there's so many shots where he's looking like a wall-eyed fish like his eyes are going googly eyes in, in two different directions and that so easily could have been solved by not shooting him directly from the the front you know just doing yes those, those so side shots that is a hundred percent my biggest issue with this suit is not so much the suit itself but that Hashimoto, like I said, it kind of films that suit as if it's like, oh, we got a cool new toy, but I'm still going to film Godzilla for the most part as if it's a, a Showa era film. And yes. I think this movie kind of proves why that kind of filmmaking style does not work, even with new good suits. Cause, and there's some great shots in this movie, but then it pans back out and you're like, okay, you're kind of taking me out of it a little bit. It's mm. a weird, you know, dichotomy here because there are so many great shots that are using the suit correctly that are giving you different angles and stuff that we hadn't seen in a Godzilla film in, in the way that we, we will going forward. And so I do appreciate that, but yeah, I, I also think there's a little bit of a, 
growing pains here. Sadly, they did not design the suit specifically for Kenpachiro Satsuma. It wasn't like form fitted to him in the same way that the original Gojira suit was not form fitted to Haru Nakajima. Both actors <laughs> lost over 10 pounds of, of weight in, in just the the acting <laughs> of of Gojira during these these films. The the there you know, for reasons we'll talk about in the next film, Gojira Godzilla versus Biollante, they had to remake an entire new Godzilla suit. And th- that one, they take the time to form fit it to Satsuma's body. And they were much more. It was a great deal lighter, and the custom fit made him able to act more in the suit. And we know he's a great suitmation actor because, you know, he's done Hedera at this point. He's done Gigan, did a lot of the championship monsters that were very, very mobile, very expressive. And he, he played off Haru Nakajima very well in those films. I just don't see it in this one. And I think it's mostly the technology that's that's holding him back here. Yeah, I, I, I would certainly agree for the most part. I, I think part of his technology, I think part of it is, you know, the director not being comfortable with both the, the limitations of the new technology and, and what he had. Um, but I, I still, I still think by and large, despite that, you, you, you still have a great looking Godzilla for the most part. There are some really, really cool sequences here. I think that e- even though it isn't as good as he will look, it's, it's, just a vast improvement on screen. I can't tell too much difference between the bodies. I'm, I'm holding my versus Biollante Godzilla <laughs> miniature in my hand. I can tell a great amount of changes were done to the head and, mm-hmm. you know, so, some of the ex- facial expressions as well, or maybe they're just better at doing them on, on a similar, you know, animatronics rig. But that, that wasn't the only thing that was created for this film. They also made like a, 15 foot robotic Godzilla with like no actor inside. Very similar to how they made a like 30 foot King Kong for 1976's King Kong. And it didn't do very well on screen or or on camera for this movie. What is the name of it? It has a very specific name. (laughs) Do do, do you remember reading about Uh, this at all? The actual animatronic. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. they just called it Cybot. Cybot Godzilla, yes. <laughs> they did use it a great deal for promotion of the film. They put it on a, you know, a truck and, and bring it out whenever they wanted to advertise Godzilla, which is, which is great. But yeah, that, I, I, I buried the lead a little bit and said I'd, I'd, I'd wait to talk about it. But no, they, they, uh, <laughs> the, the 1984 Gojira suit was stolen from the studio lot after this movie and has never resurfaced miles. It is, it is out there somewhere. Hopefully it's not in the landfill, but like I said, I love the versus Biolante. Oh yeah. I mean, that's, that's Bi- bio Goji. I think is the name of that suit. And it's one of my favorites, if not my absolute favorite Gojira. I, I do like a lot uh, during the millennium films, but let's talk about the cast a little bit. Unfortunately, not a lot of, Gojira mainstays come back for for this film, even though I think they had put out feelers to Harada and 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 people like that from from the original Gojira film. Fortunately, some some had passed away <laughs> at this point, so right that, that wasn't that wasn't an option. A- any standout performances you you want to talk about? Or any, I mean, any everyone characters? 
all the characters are a little, I will say, a little cut and dry here. So no one's really asked to do a terrible amount of killer performances, and no one really delivers a, delivers a killable killer performance. Everyone's perfectly fine. I think my standout is the drunk guy, the yelling at Godzilla. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that guy ruled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that that guy understood the assignment and uh, just committed. <laughs> I don't know if I have him in my notes, Miles. We're going pretty far down the uh, the cast list. The cast sheet—that's perfectly fine. Like I don't even know—I don't even remember his name if he even gave it. But he—he he was by far oh. like my favorite character, uh, Tetsuya Takeda as Vagrant. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Okay, so he doesn't—he doesn't have a name. Just Vagrant. Yeah, drunk guy yelling at Godzilla needs to happen in every movie because it's just. The novelty delivers every time. Like I said, everyone else is perfectly fine in the role. There's no bad performances. Yeah, K- um, Ken Tanaka is Goro Maki, kind of our main yeah. reporter character. And he has that kind of that main reporter feel that you get a lot from the Showa era. Mm-hmm. The story itself does kind of feel like, you know, we are trying to keep some of these, you know, standards, at least for this first go around before the series really takes off in wild directions throughout this era but yeah nothing nothing crazy stood out to me what about you yeah i mean i you think if they're trying to go back to 1954 gojio they would put more emphasis on the 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 love story maybe um yasuko uh sawaguchi they can just leave that lingering in the air (laughs) yeah naoki and they're putting some peril in the film there's some like action sequences that happen as they're trying to escape this building that gets destroyed during Godzilla's reign. And they're trying to get out with the technology that is required to lure Godzilla away. There, there's some interesting bits there. Just that note. No you know what that reminded me of. I, I thought about this and I was watching this movie with my roommate and I, I brought this up and he was like, oh, yeah, this is very evocative of the scene in Cloverfield. When they are mm. scaling the other skyscraper across, yeah. like the, the two fallen skyscrapers, to rescue Beth, it, it the whole, everything felt very similar, even to the use of color. And even though it's not the same shot, it's not the same situation, it 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 reminded me of that. And you have to think that Matt Reeves probably oh, well, was using <laughs> th- this film has a lot of Cloverfield influences. We we didn't even talk about the. Shakiris or, or Shakiris, the giant Lous. sea louse that apparently falls off of Godzilla and, and is mutated into this, you know, like 60, 70 pound <laughs> evil. Yeah, it, it, it was very much the feeling I got from that was we, too, have seen release Scott's alien. <laughs> yeah, it makes some some very similar noises as it's kind of jumping out of the ceilings. Uh, <laughs> but the, the only other Kaiji, Kaijin monster in this film, the only other real element we, we mentioned was the X2, which is a. I don't, I don't, I really don't like the design or the X. Is it the X one in this film? <laughs> it's the SpaceX. Yeah. I, I, or Super X, Super X, Super X, Super X. I, I'm um, not a fan, uh, I'm in general. A hundred percent with you on that. Uh, they talk about this being, this being this flying fortress and it kind of puts the idea in your head that it's like, oh, maybe like the helicarrier from Marvel's shield, but it's, it looks more like a, just a flying tank. It looks yeah. like it's got maybe like a, a cockpit that, it's the size of a small kitchenette. Certainly not a flying fortress. <laughs> yeah, design wise, I'm not a not a huge fan. And I just I wish there was some more 
interesting things that they they did with it and including like in further films like i mean it comes back in in a couple of of godzilla films and for the most part i'm not blown away i i I like that they have an element that it's like okay this is something that can actually have some effect on on godzilla even though this one they actually kind of win (laughs) like this is one of the first times i've seen a man-made craft take godzilla out <laughs> you know yeah to a degree yeah they're shooting was it cadmium tipped cadmium, rounds yeah, cadmium, uh, bullets that's a, that's I, enough I to knock he, godzilla out <laughs> yeah he kind of stumbles over like a drunk toddler which is pretty great <laughs> I, I i do very much like that that whole sequence oh right are, are are there any other elements of the film that worked for you very well or didn't work for yeah, you yeah there's actually a lot of this movie that does work i feel like i've been kind of ragging on it i think mm-hmm. the the opening feels like a horror film you know with the sea louse and even the, the ship getting attacked the the tone is very severe i like that they don't go back and use that familiar theme it, it feels very severe i think this movie went out to feel like 54 is godzilla and I really do think they, they kind of nailed that. I liked the sequence of the sea louse. Again, it does kind of feel like a horror movie, a creature feature. I was really enjoying that. Of course, we got talk, you know, we already talked about my boy, the vagrant. Uh, <laughs> loved him. I thought the, the production value for the miniatures and a lot of the way Japan looked in conjunction with Godzilla kind of rampaging was pretty impressive. I thought yeah. the, the actual sets were phenomenal. Yeah. We're, we're going to talk about them. Probably in greater detail when we uh, look at this film again, but the the miniatures are great. I that's actually a, a and we kind of mentioned the directorial style in, in a few ways. It, it's something that didn't work for me in the film. I think is kind of shockingly sh- short sighted in in terms of building up this character's mythos. Is like they went ahead and changed Godzilla's size from the original series to this one. From 50 meters to 80 meters, I think he still looks like a toddler in these massive skyscrapers of, of downtown Tokyo. These buildings that are, you know, 120 meters tall. Well, yeah, because I, well, I um, assume, yeah, in that time they build, they have built bigger skyscrapers. To yes, but Tokyo is huge. He could be anywhere in Tokyo that doesn't have. Like he can have buildings that are at least to scale with him, or he can tower over. Somewhat the majority of the action happens like strictly in the downtown Mm -hmm. area where these these buildings make him look very small and they also don't shoot him enough from below. And and you'll you'll get a complete turnaround on that in versus Bailante where Godzilla is almost never shot (laughs) from even level or above. He's almost always from down below and yeah, no, I, just I agree scale with wise, it just, it, it doesn't work as well in this film. And that's, that's part of, part of the fun for me in these films is, is getting that effect working. Yeah. Well. I mean, I, I, I'm not as bothered by Godzilla being overtowered. Like I don't necessarily need like the legendary series for that him to tower over every single building. Him being close enough to a, one of the massive skyscrapers is fine. But I, I did, yeah, I would have liked to have seen more buildings where he is kind of towering over things and <laughs> I, it, I, it, it may, maybe make it feel a little less Kongy in that I, respect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, well, I feel kind of scared for Godzilla whenever one of these buildings topples over. I'm like, oh, is he going to get like completely crushed and covered <laughs> by this building because he's so small? 
They, um, I, I, I do also like, uh, this is kind of the one of the last things. I also like that they, they don't fully go into the, the, the breath ray like they will in the next Godzilla yeah. film. It does feel like that classic kind of breath that he had for the first two movies where it was, it kind of felt like a, almost like a, a highly radioactive gas or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I like seeing the development of that. I like, I like that's blue. I, I made that choice, but it does feel a little more breath than Ray, which will change. I think even in the next film, but I thought that was a cool little touch to kind of make it still feel similar to the 54 creature. Yeah, this is, this is very much a different generation, different, different uh, Godzilla in, in a lot of ways. Ratings wise on Letterboxd, this movie has a, a 3.5 out of 5. It's got almost a 7 out of 10 on IMDb. And audience score wise on Rotten Tomatoes is very high amongst Godzilla fans. This has an 86 and it did very, very well when, when the film came out. It was the most popular and, and w- well attended Godzilla film since Ebera Horror of the Deep, which was kind of like the climax of, of the Showa era films. That's when those movies were still doing very well with adults in, in cinemas. And I guess the, the start of the downward trend <laughs> towards where they became more kids films. Well, let's get to our own rating miles. What, what do yeah. you, what do you got for enjoyment for return of Godzilla? So I, I feel, I feel, I thought a lot about like this particular rating because I think that there are moments in this movie that do feel like it's spinning its wheels a lot. Mm-hmm. It's so funny because like, I'm like, yeah, I probably would have shaved about like 10 minutes from this movie. Oh, well, and, okay. and then, and then, you're, and then you're in good luck. The American version. Right. Uh, more and, than and that. They do that. And they add like 15 minutes of, uh, you know, Raymond Burr and stuff, <laughs> which is fine because there, there's moments like the movie starts off with a really nice clip. I really enjoy that. But yeah, a lot of times it will just kind of sit and pause. You know, I, I didn't completely love the the modern slash old school way like you had some of this movie that felt modern they were using cool angles and taking advantage of the new animatronics and then simultaneously they were also shooting it like a showa film Mm -hmm. and it just it kind of made it feel a little messy that said i think this film feels really good as a return to godzilla it definitely brings i think it gives for by actually pun intended kind of gives godzilla his teeth back he feels dangerous. He feels like a threat. The political commentary is really good. But that said, there there's something kind of missing. And I often say, like, at this point in time, why is Godzilla not fighting another creature? And <laughs> if you want to do a return, and this is this happens in Shin Godzilla as well, you know, they they want to focus on that political aspect. And I understand that. And I think this movie does a really solid job of that, but it's sometimes I think the mo- some of the moments really sacrifice the entertainment value of this film. Mm-hmm. And so for personal enjoyment, I'm probably going to give it maybe a little bit less than some people would expect, but I'm going with a seven out of 10 because I think it is a, a, a solid movie. Yeah. I think it is evocative, but I also think that it's more, it's got really good ideas and it does have an interesting concept, but it doesn't entirely just nail everything. You know, it's very good, but it's not great. You know? Yeah, well, a seven uh, as far as enjoyability on our scale is very good. It is just below great. I'm right there with you with a seven out of ten. And 
to be fair, I think this is going to be my least enjoyed personally film of the entire Heisei area. And that is a seven out of 10. And so that's like the quality that we're going to see. Yeah. In the no, rest I'm, of these I, Godzilla I, I mean, I will a hundred percent probably agree with you there because knowing a lot of the movies that we're going to see, there are some there. We got some classics ahead of us in this but series. I can I can still rewatch this multiple mm-hmm. times. And I think because there is such a, a difference between the Japanese and the American version, I can watch both in the same way. I could probably watch the original Gojira and King of the Monsters Godzilla as well. The elements that make this series, though, an absolute blast, the Heisei series, the versus series just aren't here yet. The, the yeah. from special effects to the soundtrack, you know, it feels very much like what you said. It is just a transition from Showa to Heisei, a transit transitory film. So yeah, that's that being said, I can still watch this fairly regularly. I watched this like, I think last time, maybe three years ago and, and really enjoyed my time with it. And just not as, as much fun as some of these other right. films come. How, how did you find the technical aspects? Yeah, I'm giving it a, an additional point from from the enjoyability because there is so much that is done amazingly well in this film. It it I think pales in comparison in a lot of ways to the 1954 Gojira from the drama of the characters, mm-hmm. um, you know, relative special effects. I, I would say and. Yeah, it does have a very high production value. It's very great, and it is a very solid script, but it's a very safe, safe script. Like, mm-hmm. um, I think the the Cold War politics interjected are are very welcome plot points. Yeah, don't don't like the the goofy eyed <laughs> Godzilla. <laughs> so there's there's a lot of room to 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 grow here from from an, an eight out of 10. What about you, Miles? I'm right there with you. I'm giving it an eight out of 10. I think the script is pretty solid. Yes. I, I think, I think the production value is great. I think the movie looks amazing. I think that, yeah, some of the, the relative special effects, you know, that, that kind of style is starting to lose its luster, but they do a really good job here for the most part. I think that they do a really great job with a lot of the like, and, and that's one thing I didn't say in my personal. This movie feels like a disaster film. Like yeah, it doesn't yeah. feel like a monster movie. It feels like a disaster film. And so there are some things that are framed that way, like that really cool scene where the entire like street is getting like blown up and all the cars are lighting up for whatever reason, just because it looks cool, I guess. I, I think the, the spectacle aspect of it is extremely high. In its entertainment value, I think it looks great. I, I like the suit. I definitely, like I said, I think it's a growing pain suit, but I still think it looks good. I think that you're never going to see it again. It's gone to history, Miles. Just wait, just wait. Some, some, it's good. It's going to come back. Uh, <laughs> it, I, listener, I really, I, I do hope it's in someone's collection somewhere. Not like I said, yeah. I mean, and even ocean. though I have, um, I have quibbles about Hashimoto's inconsistent directing. I still think he's an extremely competent director. I think he 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 makes this return work. And I think so much of the technical aspects are in top form. It's what makes this movie better than average. Yeah, I I mentioned it. They they tried to get Akira um, Ifakube to come back and do the score for this film. They were not able to. So uh, Rijiro Kuroku is is who did the, the soundtrack. And there's some motifs from the original Gojira sounds, but we're not getting the Heisei era soundtrack un- until no. unfortunately versus Biolante. I, I liked some of the um the synth work in this movie. I thought that was mm-hmm. pretty fun. 
there's not a lot of iconic stuff, but there's some yes. good music in here. It's good. It's just, it's not, it's not there yet. Like I said, we need to wait one more film <laughs> for the evocative nature though. I'm giving this film a bit higher where it stands in the Kaiju pantheon. I think it helped reinvigorate Godzilla as a worldwide brand. It completely rehabilitated the 70s Showa image, the the image, I think, even that it had Godzilla had here in America from the animated. You know, the last thing that America saw Godzilla was the animated series and gave us the idea that we can go back to a more serious, you know, the themes of the 1954 Gojira. So in, in that respect, this film is super important. And I think it is a good film, maybe not a great kaiju film, but is an extremely great, competent film in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways. Which is so funny because the the same way that 76's King Kong is is very, has that broad appeal. I think this film has a very similar broad appeal, but I don't want a broad appeal. I want something specifically for the kaiju Mm -hmm. nut in me, (laughs) which, you know, we're not going to get until later on in, in the series. This is the 30th anniversary of the monster, and it really did keep Godzilla alive. And without it, like if man, if they had not been able to get off the, the this new series here at this point, I'm I'm worried that the the other Heisei films would not have followed suit. So I'm super happy with this movie, you know, being a, a jumping on point for people that maybe haven't seen the other Godzilla films. And yeah, if if you can't watch a black and white movie, I know a lot of people that it bothers them. I mean, I would I would personally say watch Godzilla versus Mothra probably before this. But if you don't like, you know, the 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 older films, this is a great jumping on point because this is the start of the, the Heisei series. So I'm giving it a nine out of ten for its evocative nature, where it stands as a piece of kaiju artwork. What about you, Miles? Boy, Patrick, we are two peas in a pod. Oh, you didn't look at my score, did you? <laughs> I never do. Um, <laughs> we both know that. You know, I don't even score half the time and t- so I, I don't tell you. I, to be honest, I really labored over all these scores this week because I was like, you know, this the personal one is usually the easiest, but I really had to, to do some soul search and be like, yeah, I, I don't I, like I this right as there. much as some of the others. I was right there with you, but this, this, this movie is the single domino up, upon which the entire genre from here on out rests on. Without yeah. this movie doing what it did, being the success it is, successfully doing what it set out to do, no matter how you feel about it personally, this movie succeeded in what it set out to do in bringing severity back to the genre, making Godzilla fierce creature again. Mm-hmm. And I think that. Without the success of this film, I don't think we have most of the movies that we we love from here on out. We certainly don't have. I certainly don't think we have the the Heisei era as we know it. I don't know if we have the resurgence that happens in the two thousands. I don't. I don't even know if you get Cloverfield. You know, yeah. without without this movie doing what it did. Yeah. And 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 kickstarting the the Heisei era, even though it is technically a transitional show of film. This this movie is massively important. It hits a lot of the notes right. It 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 makes a sincere effort at being a a kaiju film that uses its monsters as a metaphor, uses the story to ask questions about the modern world. I think that this movie does knock it out of the park. It does suffer 
in some of its areas, but I think in terms of its cultural significance and how it's evocative as a kaiju film, yeah, 9 out of 10 for me. Uh, so that brings your score to an 8, my score to an 8, which means this film is getting... And <laughs> in, in you no, know, I was actually very worried that you you might come a little bit lower and drop us down to a seven because that, that's kind of our demarcation of what we describe as like the best of the best of kaiju films. Eight, nines, and tens are like the bread and butter, the meat and potatoes that you. Yeah, want but to, I I think the, the and this is a spoiler for you know the rest of this podcast. But I think the Heisei era it's <laughs> it's it's a landmark in the genre. It's why we do what we do now. And um, why we so we've been waiting years on this yeah, podcast. So to, yeah, to let's. Yeah, and honestly, I've I've also it helps. I've also been like mired in the muck of of bad movies. So even even a Godzilla film that doesn't hit all the notes. Oh my gosh, it's Manna from Heaven. <laughs> yes, yes, but like like we both said, this is so important to the genre. You know, after only films such as the original King Kong, the original Gojira, things like that, and. This really did help set the the pace for what we're going to see later on. Right. So that is going to do it for Kaiju versus history this week for for the return of, of Godzilla. If if you like this film, if you thought it should be higher, if you didn't like it, thought it should be lower. Let us know on Twitter at Kaiju versus history what you thought about it. Talk to us on on Gmail, Kaiju versus history at Gmail dot com. Find our show wherever you rate uh, or comment on podcasts and tell your friend what you think. And you can check out all of our letterboxed reviews on our Kaiju versus history letterbox accounts. And uh, like I was saying on there, miles, I'm only liking the films that get eights, nines and tens from us. So if you want to see our, our liked Kaiju films, we were talking about this last week. It, it's a pretty stellar list. It's, it makes me happy every time I see it. It's like, Oh yeah, these are the, these are indeed the best of the best. <laughs> oh right so what <laughs> what are we doing next week miles all right patrick well thank you and thank you listeners and we're gonna catch everyone when we keep the godzilla train going with a special episode while chronologically out of order makes more sense to dive in right into immediately like a cave pool filled with dr pepper dive right so in next week we're gonna do a <laughs> we're gonna watch this film again and at this time, do it live with one another and record a commentary track as we take a look at the Americanized version of the Toho classic. So tune in next time for History versus Godzilla 1985.